The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Michelle Best. I am a registered nurse, a certified woundostomy incontinence nurse, and a clinical specialist with Coloplast. Today's podcast guest is Louise Forrest-Land. She is an enterostomal therapy nurse from Montreal, Canada. She's an expert in pediatric enterostomal therapy nursing and is actively involved in many enterostomal therapy nursing and wound care organizations. Louise is a past president of the World Council of Enterostomal Therapists, the WCET, and has taught and lectured in many countries. In 2019, Louise led a project with a group of international pediatric stomach care experts. Together, they developed the Pediatric Stomach Care Best Practice Guidelines. It's wonderful to see you, Louise. Thanks for being here today. It's my pleasure, Michelle. We're going to talk about considerations and differences between pediatrics and adults with pouching and what that looks like. Often, people who are unfamiliar with pediatric ostomy care approach peds the same as they do adults. And unfortunately, it doesn't always produce the same outcomes. There's results from an international consensus for peristomal body and stoma profiles that provides guidelines for assessing areas with anticipation of choosing a better fitting pouching system. Are you familiar with these consensus recommendations? I'm aware of these guidelines that represent a good basis for stomach care, but I must say that they are not always applicable and need to be adjusted to the pediatric population. So what type of modifications would you expect or would you think needs to be made for pediatrics? Some adjustment must be made when caring for neonates, babies, and infants. More and more stomach care products adapted to the pediatric population are available on the market. That has not always been the case in the past, and even nowadays, there is still a need for creativity and handcrafting when caring for the little ones. What might be different in babies and kids versus teens when you're making these considerations? First, it is important to consider the skin characteristic of neonates, especially the premature neonates. And for instance, the premature neonates skin is highly permeable and the content of any product that is applied on their skin may go through their system and be toxic. Also, the epidermis of the premature neonate is not well anchored to their dermis. And when removing the skin barrier, there is a risk of tearing part of the epidermis. And that will increase water loss in neonates who are already at risk of fluid imbalance. Therefore, in premature neonates, we recommend that the skin barrier, as much as possible, stay in place for at least 24 hours. This also applies to any adhesive product applied to their skin. We must also keep in mind that the pediatric skin barrier is thinner to be more flexible, but this makes it less resistant and it melts more quickly when in contact with the stool. So the skin barrier should be checked on a regular basis. And also, 
Since babies are usually lying down on their backs, the stool are in constant contact with the skin barrier, and this also contributes to a faster melting. I'm glad that there's newer products on the market and are formulated more in line to be safe and effective with this population that is so high risk. Are there different considerations for teenagers than there are for adults, or are teens more in line with adults when selecting products? Regarding teenagers, we can apply the same guidelines as for adults. Thank you for that clarification. We appreciate that very much. Are there any other differences that we need to consider for pediatrics? In addition to body profile, another difference is the small skin surface that we must deal with. Also, baby often have a, a mucus fistula that can be near or further the stoma area. We sometimes link to pouch two to three stoma, depending on the surgical procedure, and this in a very small area. The stoma may be close to the belly button or there can be an incision close to the stoma. It is also important to be aware that breastfed babies usually pass more stools per day and their stool may sometimes be sticky. However, babies and children with anastomy may have a normal diet, but keep in mind that as they get older, the amount and consistency of their stool will change and that they may have to wear a small adult pouch because the pediatric ones may not be large enough. That's a great point um, with, you know, knowing that their pouch might need to be larger than what you would anticipate for a young child. What are some of the other challenges that clinicians might encounter when using or applying ostomy products for this population? Among these challenges are bowel prolapse, peristomal hernia, or a wound separation close to the stoma, requiring a modification of the skin barrier. There is also a need to deal with busy fingers, crawling, and very active babies and children. So are there any tips or tricks that you found helpful while addressing these challenges? In the case of a prolapsed stoma, creating radial slits around the skin barrier opening to help inserting the prolapse through it is a very good uh, way to deal with the prolapsed stoma. After insertion, the radial slits must be replaced at the basis of the stoma to make sure that the peristomal skin is well protected. Could you elaborate a little bit on like the process or the technique you use? In the case of a huge prolapse, to ease the insertion through the opening of the skin barrier, you can use a non-latex glove over the prolapse to prevent any contact of the stoma with the skin barrier. After the insertion of the prolapse, of course, you can take away the glove. In the case of hernia, uh, what is recommended is to cut slits at the external borders of the skin barrier to adjust it to the hernia. And some pediatric skin barriers have a star shape that provides a good adjustment on the hernia without any cutting needed. There is a concave skin barrier available on the market named Convex Flit that might be appropriate for the pediatric population. In the presence of a wound separation close to the stoma, you must first manage the wound and then apply a pouching system that sometimes needs to be modified if you want to have a look at the, the wound. For busy fingers, a one-piece garment is always helpful. 
one of my colleagues used to recommend putting on a wide stretching hairband around the belly of the baby. And this is very simple and affordable. We like affordable options. So thank you for that tip specifically. Would you ever recommend not pouching a stoma for pediatrics? I would not, unless it is a urinary stoma. All digestive stomas must be pouched to protect the fragile skin of babies. There is a concern about the pouching of the mucous fistula. The guidelines recommend applying a silicone dressing over it if there is no leakage. We do not recommend the use of a standard or Vaseline gauze because they usually dry out on the mucous fistula and may cause bleeding upon removal. If the mucous fistula is leaking, the application of a small pediatric pouch is recommended. This small pouch can stay in place for many days according to leakage and to the nurse's clinical judgment. In the case of neonates with multiple stoma, if they are close enough, they can be pouched together. This applies to digestive stoma only, and a digestive stoma should never be pouched with a urinary stoma because of a risk of infection of the urinary tract. That's a great point. Thanks. As babies grow with their stomas into toddlers and school-age kids then beyond, how do the pouching and challenges presented from these pouching situations change? We know that in adults, the stoma size will decrease over the four to six weeks following the surgery. In babies and children, we must keep in mind that babies and children are in a growth process and that their stoma will also grow over time. It is therefore recommended to measure the stoma on a regular basis and to teach the parents to do so. From a psychological point of view, it is important to behave with the child according to his age. As children grow up, intimacy becomes important, and it is not because we know them since we, they were babies that they are comfortable to be naked when with strangers. When caring for teenagers, it is recommended that any teaching about stomach care is first addressed to them to make them understand that they should be responsible for their stomach care and to respect their need for autonomy. Afterwards, the parents may be involved in the teaching. I really appreciate that you're pointing out the psychological aspects of these kids as they develop from a healthcare perspective. Often that's overlooked, I think, and we just go in and we take care of whatever their ailment is and we don't think so much about their psychological adjustment. So I do appreciate that that's been part of your conversation. I want to switch gears just a little bit and have an understanding of your thoughts on elasticity and flexibility and static barriers versus dynamic barriers that move with the skin. And how does that affect the pediatric population? Little ones move a lot. And although they cannot always express their discomfort, it is important that we consider it. Some skin barriers have elasticities that allow us to stretch and move with the skin. Skin barrier flexibility is very important in babies and children. There is no consensus about the use of convexity in neonates and children. The group of international experts who developed the Pediatric Stomachcare Best Practice Guidelines recommend the use of a flexible convexity once the suture line is healed. Some pediatric skin barriers are available with an integrated flexible convexity 
but if not available, you can create one yourself by adding a skin barrier ring to the stoma skin barrier. What are your thoughts on using belts for pediatrics? The use of a pediatric belt may be indicated to assist with the use of a flexible convexity or in very active toddlers and children. Recommendation for adults about the position and adjustment of the belt applies. If no pediatric belt is available, handcrafting and creativity is necessary, and that, as says before, is often the case when caring for the little ones. Louise, it has been my pleasure to have you here today. Do you have any final recommendations for our listeners that would be helpful? Uh, yes, I may have a, a few tips. Maybe one about the removal of the skin barrier. Usually what we recommend is warm water and a gentle touch to remove the skin barrier without any commercial product. But stoma paste residual can be managed by sprinkling stoma powder over the stoma paste to easily remove it. Do you find that using uh, barrier rings or strip paste is more effective than using paste with this population? It depends. Uh, when the skin crease is not too deep, then I would use paste. But when it is deeper, then I would use a strip or I would customize a ring. I would also recommend to keep the pouch outside the diaper to prevent fungal infections related to moisture. And regarding a commercial pouch deodorizer, we do not recommend it, uh, it for babies and children, but we know that they are greatly appreciated by teenagers. However, the riser can also be homemade. For example, one can apply toothpaste on a piece of toilet paper and insert it at the base of the pouch. In the toothpaste, there is bicarbonate that will help absorb the odor. I, however, always recommend using a different flavor for tooth brushing so that they don't associate the scent of the toothpaste in the pouch with the flavor in the mouth. That's a fantastic tip. Thank you for that. That's lovely. And finally, I think that it is very, very important to maintain a good relationship with your patients and to visit them even when they don't need any stomach care. For some, the stoma will be temporary, and for others, it will be permanent. But our goal is that for all of them and their family, it turned out as a positive experience in their lives that will contribute to their development and a positive self-image. Louise, your expertise and your time with us today is invaluable. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your knowledge. And I want to thank you, Michelle for giving me the opportunity to share my knowledge with others. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us professional.